electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. I'll be able to make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job, not just to entertain, but to make this make sense to you. Entertain, teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Memo to America's bankers. Don't try to frighten us. Don't try to get us to sell everything. Sell, sell, sell. Don't be Grinches telling us a hurricane could be coming. At least try to be useful because you're all we can really count on for an accurate assessment of the economy. And you're letting us down. That's how I felt all day, including today, when Dow finished up less than two points. S&P declined 0.19%. NASDAQ, of course, fell 0.51%. See, the last few days, we've had this parade of bank execs speak, and they have painted a relentlessly bleak picture, and I'm real tired of it. Of course, it's not their job to cheerlead. That's what they're going to accuse me of saying that I won. I just wish them to be more constructive. What would have been a constructive view? You know what? I'm glad you asked. Because you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a speech right now that these masters of the universe shouldn't give him. Yep, it's the writer in my head, and I'm going to just give it to you straight out. Ladies and gentlemen, I could go into how we live in uncertain and perilous times, except everyone else has already done that, so I don't have to do it. But I will say this. Our nation suffered through a terrible pandemic where a million people died. We were afraid to go out of our homes. We were afraid of losing our jobs. Our government did its best to limit the damage. Nonetheless, our CEOs tend to be a little more cautious and fearful. I get that. It seemed like we could be down for the count. Then out of nowhere, a couple of real great American companies created vaccines that made the virus a lot less lethal. Once the economy came back, though, we got something unthinkable. The largest land war in Europe since World War II. Not supposed to happen. China repeatedly locked down their economy to compensate for their second-rate homegrown vaccines. Not supposed to happen. So many things we didn't count on. 
Who would have thought so many people would work from home and then decide to continue to work from home after we solved the pandemic? Immediately converting that spare room into an office with all the trimmings, new furniture, PCs, what a straight on the supply chain. With the exodus of the suburbs of the country came the need for more cars. Who would have imagined that supply chain disruptions would make it impossible for the automakers to meet demand? They can't get the semiconductors because they're using old-fashioned semis and they can't make them fast enough. We still can't. At the same time, all sorts of businesses that never cared about the environment have started committing to the environment, to being carbon neutral, not too distant future, because global warming's become impossible to ignore. A lot of prices got jacked up because the needs were so swift and unexpected. Of course, there were excesses. Our government and our industry helped fund an outrageous equity boom that included blank check corporations that we should never have been involved with and never allowed to exist. We should, have st- we should have done more to stop them. So people, our customers, lost less money. We didn't. You know why? Because we were short-term greedy, and we apologized for that. We had a government that chose a caveat-emptor approach to cryptocurrency, which was simply ridiculous. We should have done more. We should have pressured Washington because the securities were unregulated. And they, if it had been regulated, then someone might have caught the $34 billion shambles that was FTX, the, the empire of another guy we should have been wise to, Sam Bankman-Fried. There was no Madoff, a sophisticated concept to fool the regulators. No, this was a hidden and plain sight disgrace. A single SEC examiner could have stopped, and certainly one of the larger investors that work with our banks should definitely have caught. Through this all, we had a workforce that rebelled, many people quitting their jobs, not coming back to them when they were asked to, which few executives saw coming. People didn't realize how miserable their lives really were. At the same time, jobs went begging. We had the fewest bankruptcies since 2010. Amazing, given the heavy-duty increases in interest rates this year. That wasn't in the, in the economic book that we all studied either. F10 didn't have that. Fed Chief Jay Powell had little choice but to bring some pain. The house of pain. Given that inflation has been raging now at a 40-year high, jobs are still way too plentiful to get that table of employment and wages down. Gigantic amount of federal stimulus yet to be distributed. This time in the form of bridges and roads and buildings. Imagine we don't have enough engineers and we don't train enough of them and we're not doing enough to work with our schools. You know what? All things considered, though, we're doing pretty well. Consider the Toll Brothers, the terrific home builder, put up just fantastic numbers today. Even phenomenal gross margins is the raw cost of things that go into a home, particularly lumber, have come down substantially. Sure, mortgage rates are high, but plenty of people bought homes with cash, and there's a lot more behind that and big down payments. Other than Nucor, America's biggest steel company, said it would put up record numbers. Demand for cars remains extraordinary. Wages are still going higher. It's not a sin. Of course, that's a problem at a moment when we fear inflation. Wage inflation is still raging because lots of people just didn't like their jobs, and others chose to retire. Sometimes we just can't predict human behavior, and a lot of wrong predictions resulted in more inflation. After decades of high immigration, which helped businesses fill jobs that Americans didn't want, many immigrants seem to be fearful when they come here, and our government's not doing anything about it. So the Federal Reserve may have to indeed keep raising rates. That may have to happen. And it could put pressure on the stock market. We don't want that. We all want to make money. The price earnings multiples, what we pay for stocks in relation to the earnings, they've come down gigantically, maybe enough that we can have a rally or a sustainable rally if we get a break in some of our costs. We know that gasoline and used cars have come down in price. Now, this Ukraine war has cost us at the supermarket, but there's not much that the Fed can do about that. To me, this is a constructive environment. We had a peaceful midterm election. No talk of overturning the results this time. 
We had a series of rate hikes that has not caused a rash of layoffs, although more are needed, believe it or not, if we're going to get wage inflation under control. Unlike 2008, our bank has more capital than it's ever had, and we have the fewest bad loans than we can ever recall. We've digitized, saving us money, and that's going back to our shareholders, something we will keep doing. If I had to buy a house now, would I do so? Maybe I would wait to see if they can come down a bit unless it was an emergency. Would I start a business now? Maybe if there was proven need and we can advance your credit. No, if there's a margin of error. Would I buy stocks? Look, I'm not a market timer. I know this. So come a day when the Fed will be done tightening, though that may be when the S&P is a good bit lower. But I don't know if I want to take the chance of possibly missing the big rally. Hey, maybe buy something small. There. That's my speech. And then if I were one of these bank CEOs, I cap it off with this statement. Do I feel that things are frightening and dangerous with an economic hurricane on the horizon? No. That's how we should have felt in 2007 or 2000. It's hard to figure out what to do with inflation this high. We know it needs to be contained. Until that happens, there will be fewer opportunities to make money. However, I see amazing opportunities in our inner city for investment. I see lots of kids who want and need our help to be trained to meet these new job openings. We are going to do our best to invest in them. They remain the great bet, as does our country itself with its bountiful natural resources, better than any other country in the world where everybody wants to come to, not flee. So let me ask you, is that so hard to say? Here's the bottom line. Don't panic the next time you hear one of these bank CEOs say something terrifying. They don't know the impact of their words. And if they were a little more constructive, they'd be painting a much less bearish picture. Sure, we got plenty of problems, but they're not financial apocalypse problems. And the bankers who aren't constructive, at the end of the day, I think I want to take my business elsewhere. Let's go to Andrew in North Carolina, please. Andrew. Boo, Chesel, Jim. You know who Wow, it is. man, you're, you're fired up. What's going on? Hey, so uh, my question is about the company Massimo. So we have a set of higher lows from May to October this year, all-time chart steady, solid earnings, insider buying, all that can lead to this fundamental turnaround. So my question is, what is your 2023 outlook on MASI? I happen to like those guys. I know. Look, I went at 25 times earnings. Nothing's perfect. You've got a good stock. We met them. I think they know what they're doing. I like your call. I am going to say. Let's go to Richard in Missouri. Richard. Richard. Mr. Kramer, how are you doing this evening? I am doing well, Richard. How about you? Oh, have a great evening. Uh, I'd like to get your opinion on uh, buying Union Pacific. Oh, man, Lance Fritz, he's dynamite. The only problem I got is I also got the Norfolk Southern. I like them. I like the CSX. It's almost like a dice roll. I don't know what to do. But I think at any given time, one's cheaper than the other. But you're not going to go wrong with the rails because they're all better than they used to be. All aboard! Okay, we have problems. But they're not financial apocalypse problems. And it bothers me tremendously that some of these people who are my peers... And some of whom are older then did not have enough thought to realize how negative they were, how lacking in constructive comments they were. And that's unacceptable to me. All right, on Mad Money tonight, with investors fearful about the economic picture going into the new year, where does that put the rails as investment portfolios we just discussed? 
Now, I'm going to check in not with Union Pacific, but with Norfolk Southern. We're going to get the latest on where that company's headed. Then Pinterest, a very interesting company, reached a deal with Elliott Management to add a member of the activist firm to the company's board. I'm learning more about what this partnership entails with the CEO. And Campbell's, a name we all know, jumped higher after earnings. So what was behind the packaged food kingpin strength? I'm digging into the details with the company's top brands. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. What are you supposed to do uh, with an economically sensitive industry like the railroads, which you know I love in this uncertain environment, I want you to consider the case of Norfolk Southern. It's one of the, the two big East Coast railroads. A year ago, the stock was capping off an excellent year of gains, peaking at 299 last New Year's Eve. This year, though, the stock's gradually turned its way lower, even as the actual company has generated delivered really fabulous results, okay? Why? Oh, uh, you know, Wall Street. All we do is worry, worry, worry. This time, it's about the Fed's aggressive rate hikes eventually causing a nasty slowdown. 
something that's not good for an industry that's all about commerce. Plus, the rails just had some extremely contentious labor negotiations, but they worked out. All of us is way to the Norfolk Southern stock, though, which is now down 19% for the year. I think this is attractive. Yesterday, the company had this really fabulous investor day. They laid out the case for the stock. Tonight, they are joining us to give us some of the same pitch. So let's take a closer look with Alan Shaw. He's the president and CEO of Norfolk Southern. Mr. Shaw, I'm so excited to have you on Mad Money. Great to see you. Jim, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm always happy to have oh. an opportunity to talk about the future of Norfolk Southern. Well, it is very clear from your fantastic day, which everybody can get, that you've decided that you're not going to just get, get the share of autos, which you're always going to get, and get the share of steel, because you got the great sidings, 50 of them. You've decided to go after e-commerce. You're going to take as much business as you can, and you're going to do it because you have simplicity, reliability, and efficiency. Make the case for why I should use you rather than one of those freight forwarders everybody spends a lot of money on. We are focused on service. We're going to provide a reliable and resilient service product to our customers, and that's a competitive advantage. And what we're doing, Jim, is we're targeting that massive $860 billion truck and logistics market. And to put that in context, you know all the Class 1 U.S. rails combined, our total revenue is about $85 billion. So that shows you those market opportunities out there as we use service to compete with truck. There are a lot of reasons why customers want to use rail relative to truck. There's a cost advantage. There's a sustainability advantage. And then there's a capacity Same because it's four times. They get four times more out of a diesel gallon than the other guys. All right, let me challenge you immediately. Sure. I said all this stuff because I knew you were coming on. My wife so was by a train. She goes, all those cars look the same. How do they even know where to send them? I bet you they lose them all the time. That's why you need trucks. I said, I got this guy on from Norfolk Southern. He's going to straighten you out. Straighten her out. You know, what we talked a lot about yesterday is about how we're developing that digital railroad, right? We're going to give a consistent, reliable service product and layer on top a best-in-class, consumer-oriented experience. Look, our customers... We're a B2B customer or B2B business. Right. Our customers have a B2C experience. Right. And so think about e-commerce, right? That mental image is an Amazon van or a UPS van yeah. snaking through your neighborhood. But you know what? That, that business basically got from a warehouse to the fulfillment center on a Norfolk Southern train. Now, on an intermodal or was it actual siding like the old days when you see trains being it's built like, all the time? It's an intermodal train. And right now, between Black Friday and Christmas, we're in the middle of peak parcel season. And, Jim, I get out on the field a lot. And I spend a lot of time with our craft employees. And a lot of times this time, this time of the year, I'll see a Norfolk Southern train go by with an engineer wearing a Santa Claus hat. Because we deliver Christmas. All right, now let me explain. Let me ask you about something. We deliver Christmas. That railroad I know is the railroad says, I don't need any of that business. We got the business coming to us, so come on. And we can't. Maybe the stuff arrives. I mean, I remember when my dad I said, Dad, why don't you use rail? He goes, Ah, maybe the shipment arrives today. Maybe it rep- comes next Friday. You don't do that anymore, do you? You we, deliver when you say you're going to deliver. We strive for more, right? And so right. we're targeting that $860 billion truck and logistics market. And we know in order to do that, we are going to compete based on service because there are a lot of powerful economic incentives for customers to pick rail over truck. Okay, so now let me give you a, a, a difficult case that you mentioned. You talk about how when things get tough, you usually, let's say you furlong, uh, furlough people. Uh, if you furlough 375, 200 of them might not come back. So what's that about? Yeah, Where did mean, they go? The labor force participation market right now is is. Or the rate is pretty low. And so we're taking another view of that as well. And so during an economic weak weakness, 
we're going to take, we're going to train our employees because we feel like an employees are an investment in our service and an investment in our future. So but these people, you say yourself that they're less, than, less than half of them came back. I mean, what is that? Found other jobs. We are going to invest over the long term in our workforce. And that is my personal commitment to improve our relationships with our employees and improve their quality. Why should I own the stock of a, of a company where I have to find the president and Congress messing around with whether they get a deal or not? Because we have a franchise built for growth that faces the fastest growing segments of the U.S. economy. And it was built by my predecessors, one of whom you know well, Jim Squires. Oh, he's dying my guy. He is. And we serve 60% of the consumption in the United States and 50% of the manufacturing. And we've got the most powerful intermodal franchise in the East, which serves that consumption market. And we got the two best channel partners in the intermodal space, too. J.B. Yeah, Hunt, Hunt, man, they're Hubbard. great. Great now, partners. Now, let me ask you. You got 50 ports, okay? You are the solution. If America's going to be a great exporter, you and I know it can be. It's going to be, have to be through you, isn't it? Yes, that's exactly right. And one of the things that we're seeing now is a trend towards onshoring because yes. it's geopolitical and energy risk. And so we're going to leverage our desirable geographic footprint and our best-in-class industrial development team for more business on Norfolk Southern. Just last year, we had two new auto plants open up on our line, Toyota Mazda and Jeep. And this year, Jim, we had 25 customers announce 30, pardon me, 30 customers announced $25 billion in plant expansions or new manufacturing on Norfolk Southern or the short lines we serve. And you made it clear that if you want to do business with America, it's a lot better to do business with the eastern ports that are served by you than the west, which didn't really work out all that well. Well, what we're seeing is the eastern ports are growing much faster than their western counterparts. Why is any of this ever talked about? Is it because they don't know anything in Washington? I mean, I think this is a great story. I'm growing up listening. I, I'm trying to figure out what stock to buy. This man comes on and he tells me, look, we got a growth business. We're taking e-commerce away. we got a, our labor straightened out. And like, well, why doesn't someone celebrate it in Washington? Or am I just a bozo? You know, there are a lot of things that we do that are aligned with the administration, high-paying union jobs, investment in the nation's infrastructure, investment for growth, the sustainability, pulling trucks off the highway. Now that we've got our union contract resolved, we're fixing our service product, and we're poised for growth. I'm really confident about our future. I am really confident about your future, too. I think that you guys are the solution to a lot of the problems in this country. And now we've got that contract out of the way. People are going to understand that this is a growth engine and how much you've always returned to shareholders. You've been one of the most, Mr. Squires, before that, one of the most shareholder-friendly companies in the nation. That's Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw. I'm telling you, just go read the presentation. Service, service, service. They must have mentioned it a hundred times because that's what they're driven by. Thank you so much. Jim, take care. Thank Man, you. Man, back into the break. Coming up, put a pin in it. Or is this a buying opportunity? Kramer gets the full picture of a social media stock influx next. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Last time we learned the one of my favorites, Pinterest, the only social media platform to emerge from the third quarter earnings season unscathed is entering a cooperation agreement with Elliott Management, the activist hedge fund that took a large stake in the company over the summer. I'm always happy to see management work with Elliott. These guys are very good at unlocking value for shareholders. Plus, trying to fight them almost never ends well. But what's interesting about this is that Pinterest really didn't have to cooperate. It's what's known as a controlled company, multiple sale, uh, share classes, that make it nearly impossible for Elliott to win a proxy fight. It's also unusual from Elliott's side. They often come into struggling companies and call for new management. But Pinterest reported a good quarter and just got a new CEO in the form of Bill Reddy, the e-commerce veteran who was appointed in June. So what exactly is happening here? How cooperative will they be? And is it possible Pinterest might put itself up for sale? I don't know the meaning of this thing. Let's take these questions straight to the source with Bill Reddy, the CEO of Pinterest, to get some clarity here. Mr. Reddy, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me, Jim. All right, so Bill, I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm close to Elliott because it makes it sound like I'm close to hedge funds. I'm not. But I think these guys do quality work. And when they do quality work and they are stiff-armed, I often find it ends badly. You must have seen something that attracted you to bring them in. What are they offering? Yeah, so it's, it's a great question, Jim. Uh, you know, I, I said on, our, on my first earnings call here that we want to have a deeper, more engaged conversation with the investor community. I've seen in businesses that I've built and led in the past that having a thoughtful, long-term investor perspective at the table can really be helpful to the business. We want to build a great business, not just a great product. And so even though, as you mentioned, we have dual-class stock, we have protections against things that might have been short-term interests or things that would be different than what would be in the long-term interest of the company, uh, since Elliott invested and since we started engaging there over multiple months, we've seen they've had a very thoughtful, well-informed, long-term perspective. And you see that reflected in uh, the agreement uh, as part of what we've seen in our conversations with them. And that's why we invited them to the board to help bring that investor perspective as we look for a multi-year growth path here that is not just a great product, but building a great business. So in other words, this is not one of those things like the press reporter where they said, listen, you should just go sell yourself to to PayPal or merge with uh, merge with Etsy. It's not like that. We're very focused on the long-term potential for the company. And you know, I came to Pinterest because I do think it is completely unique in a space. You look across uh, other discovery platforms, other social media platforms, and there's really no other place you can go for a full funnel journey that has the user's journey from upper to mid to lower funnel all in the same product, all in the same platform. And that's completely unique. The discovery that happens on the platform, the mix of intent with that discovery is completely unique than other sort of lean back entertainment platforms. We have the user in a lean forward mode, huge human curation that happens on the platform that just gives us the ability to have insights that you couldn't have if you didn't have the curation that occurs on Pinterest. So I think it's a completely unique platform. And I think there's a big next leg of growth ahead. And we're very focused on the long term. And as we saw that align with the way Jesse, Mark, and the team at Elliott thought about Pinterest. That's why we felt like that would be a great investor perspective to add to our board. So can they help you, for instance, with micro makeover, rust married, all aboard, free spirits, mushrooms, which I particularly like, vitamin seaweed, <laughs> home front, all the raves. These are all things that when I looked at them, I said, I want to buy them. But now I'm looking at advertisement. Yeah. I just want to click a button. Can they help you get it so that you have some narrative in 2023 where any one of those, if I want to buy something, I just click a button? 
Well, you know, building the product, building the right business is ultimately up to me and the management team and making sure that we get that right. But as you just mentioned, Jim, I think several of those were in our Pinterest Predict report that just came out today. Yeah, it was great. And it really gets to some of the unique, th- yeah, some of the unique things that we can do because, you know, unlike other platforms, that you know, you'll see a lot of retrospectives published through the holidays. It's really sort of like a look back on the year. Because people come to Pinterest early in their journey, you know, the things that people buy, they don't just make a split decision for most of those things. Most of them, they think about it for days or weeks or sometimes months. That planning occurs on Pinterest, and I think that's completely unique in what people do on Pinterest. That lets us predict what people are going to do, just not, not just what they have done. In the last several years we've done this, it's been 80% accurate. And so that's the kind of thing that we can do for advertisers that's completely unique on this platform. As we open that up, Advertisers, of course, want to know where's the consumer going, not just where they've been. And we can do that because the consumer's coming here to plan their full journey, starting from the earliest stages of that all the way through to uh, to the completion of their journey. And, and by the way, our ad business breaks down that way now. Our funnel, upper, mid, and lower, splits a third, a third, a third on our revenue. And so we really are delivering a truly full funnel experience well, for think, consumers I, and advertisers. I think one of the reasons you're doing so well is I keep being, well, you know, I'm talking to all these uh, linear TV people and stuff. Well, we can't find the customer. We can't find the customer. The customer is on Pinterest, for heaven's sake. I mean, when I look at the good on paper, all right, the paper crafts, I'm saying to myself, okay, I got to get something for my daughter. I got to get it now. This is hot. I'll look smart. I mean, that's where the consumer is. We're all in the same game. We want to look smart. Pinterest makes us look smart. That's what it's about. That's what commerce is about. Looking smart. Yeah, yeah you're exactly right. If, if, if you're trying to figure out what to buy for a loved one, taking a look at their Pinterest board is a great way to know what they might be interested in. Uh, and, and we see a lot of that kind of activity happening and uh, in, in, in where we're totally different than, than other platforms. Well, my thinking is when I've met the people from Elliott, they are huge thinkers, Bill. I mean, they think about things that I only dreamed of. Uh, they got such smart people. And when they put their minds together, they come in with a plan, with a blueprint that blows your mind. And most of the people I deal with aren't like you. They say, hey, I don't want nothing to do with those guys. Like they're some sort of like pirates. They're not pirates. I bet you they've offered you a half dozen ideas right now that you're trying to put in place. <laughs> uh, we, we, I, I met them my first week on the job, and they walked in with about a 200-page deck. Uh, and it, that was a little thicker than the deck I had put together before I came into Pinterest. Um, but the headlines and the core theses were very consistent. Uh, and so we've had good alignment from the start. And, you know, yes, they're very thoughtful. They bring a lot of great perspective. Um, and we think it's additive to the business. All right, so uh, what do I do? I want to get a, a 27-year-old, my 28-year-old, I want to do something with mocktails. What should I do? Uh, yeah, so this, this is a great one. Um, you know, so back to being able to predict where the puck is going uh, on, on Pinterest. Um, you know, this, this is one of the trends that was in our Pinterest predict reports uh, that, that we see people wanting to, you know, uh, start to moderate their alcohol consumption, but they still want to have a fun cocktail, those kinds of things. So that's one of the trends, uh, you know, in, in our Pinterest predict report is that consumers are looking for ways to go create great cocktails, but either do low alcohol cocktails, mocktails, find other ways to still have fun while lowering their alcohol consumption, especially as we're going towards dry January. Uh, and as folks are just coming out of the pandemic where maybe that consumption went up a little bit, um, but they want to start to moderate that a little bit more. And so a great example of how we can see where things are going, not just where they've been because the user is planning on Pinterest for the future, not just 
uh, an ability to look back at what they have have looked for in the past. Well, I see. Look, I see where we're going with this. It's going to be a terrific investment for 2023. You're going to make e-commerce easier. The ads are always good, and it makes us look smart. And as dads and moms, we got to look smart so our kids don't think we just went to the mall. I want to thank Bill Reddy. He's the CEO of Pinterest. Really great to have you on, as always, Bill. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Always good to be here with you. Mad Money's back here for the break. Coming up, Campbell's Soup is more than an iconic logo. It's good soup weather somewhere. Does it pair well with your portfolio? Stick with Kramer. Close viewers of the show know I've been recommending the package of food stocks, particularly the great ones, the safe havens in the event of a Fed-mandated recession. But it turns out they've been much more than that. Take Campbell's Soup, which you also may know as the company behind Pepperidge Farms, Snyder's of Hanover, Lance, V8, Prego, many other brands. Here's a stock that was already up 22% for the year as of last night's close, both because Wall Street's fallen in love with the group and because they keep putting up strong numbers. They took up the whole group themselves today. Campbell's rallied another 6% in the wake of a terrific quarter. The company posted a 14-cent earnings beat off an 88-cent basis, higher than expected sales. It includes 15% organic growth. Uh, when the analysts were looking for a little more than 10. On top of that, management raised every line of their full-year forecast. This was some quarter. I think they'd have more room to run. But you know what? It may not matter whether the Fed does a hard landing or a soft landing. How about just any landing? Don't take it from me. Let's speak to the redoubtable Mark Klaus. He's the president and CEO of Campbell Soup. Get a better read of the quarter. What comes next? Mr. Klaus, welcome back to Bad Buddy. Jim, great to see you. All right, Mark, I want to correct something that all these analysts don't understand. They keep talking about how it's inflation-aided and all that nonsense. The fact is, you were able to raise price, and people like your stuff, so they paid more. There's nothing more wrong with that. That's the American way. Better product, pay more. Isn't that what happened? Well, Jim, I think it's uh, it's always a combination of things that we've got to get uh, in place to to be able to take the pricing that we've taken. The first thing is it's really important in this moment uh, that we recognize that affordability is a very important element. And we're lucky that many of our brands and our categories are are very well positioned into this economic uh, environment. But to take any pricing, regardless of the category, the work is really necessary to be put in ahead of time. And so the investment in the equity, the quality, the things that we've been doing over the last several years, I feel like really culminated a bit in this quarter where we were able to see the benefit of that that enabled us to manage through uh, what is some significant inflation while still maintaining momentum on the business. Well, at the same time, I mean, look, other than condensed uh, condensed soup, there really was no private label trade down, so to speak. And I think the reason for that is, is that what you make is a bargain. I don't know anyone who thinks that you're rip off. I, you know, I was going back and forth with my wife about your stuff on Friday night. And she was, I brought another rival home. And she goes, listen, Campbell's is the brand. Now, she, we've been having Campbell's all our lives. Neither of us ever has ever thought for a second that it was expensive. I don't know what you're doing, but you do not give the impression that you're expensive. How is that possible? Well, I think it's because it's not expensive. I, I think even with the pricing uh, that we've been experiencing, a dinner made with most of our meals and beverage products results in about a $2 cost per serving. And if you compare that to roughly $20 away from home, there's really great value in businesses uh, that are either cooked at home with our broth or our condensed soup or our chunky soup or our prego pasta sauce, which also makes very affordable and great meals. I think the trick for us 
has been able to bring the variety and the range of offerings that's really meeting a broader set of consumers than perhaps we've done in the past. And that relevance has really resonated with uh, our millennial consumers that we may have added initially in a pa pandemic environment, but now we see coming back in a moment where people are tightening up a little bit, uh, a little bit more value focused. It's an easy trip back uh, into our brands and into our businesses. So Mark, explain to me, this, uh, twice in the call you talked about how supply chain problems have lessened. Now, people want to say, okay, well, what does that mean? Does it mean the cardboard got there, the truck driver got there? I mean, the, the, the raw cost? I mean, what is a supply chain improvement? Yeah, I think it's, a, it's a, a variety of things that we've done to strengthen that foundation. And um, I think one of the things that I'm really grateful for with that team is that in the midst of the pandemic, instead of waiting until we were through that to start to make some of the changes and adjustments that we needed to, we were able to do that during uh, that period. And as we uh, land in a moment like now, whether it's through our labor, our technology, the capacity uh, that we have, or really just the capabilities uh, that we're building in all of those areas, we've seen great progress. And although there's always uh, more to do when it comes to supply chain, I think where before it might have been challenging for us, I see it now as a real strength. And it's a big part of what you saw in the quarter this quarter. All right. So uh, I want to bring in something that we talked about during Veterans Week. I'm going to be honest. You came in when the company was a shambles. It's a great brand. I'm from Philly. It really means a lot to me. It means a lot to a lot of Philadelphians. Uh, there were a lot of things wrong. The pretzels were bad. You paid too much for, uh, it's not, not you. I mean, the company paid too much for a bunch of things. They had a couple of extraneous things. They didn't want to put their name on, like Bold House. I would look. I said, well, Campbell's isn't even there. Maybe they're just not even proud of Campbell's. How much of your training, your military training, made you realize that you had to take the toughest action I've seen in a packaged goods company ever? Well, I had a lot of support uh, from the team around me. I had the right people in place uh, to execute a transformation like this. And I think, you know, fantastic fabric of the nation brands. And whether you're talking right. about uh, our snacks businesses or whether you're talking about our meals and beverage businesses, uh, these are brands that everybody knows. And when you pair that up with great people and then perhaps the ingredient I added was focus, really making sure uh, that we're clear on what the priorities are and what's most important. Uh, we don't talk a lot about this, but I, I would say our portfolio, the focus both from a, a consumer side, which we have talked a bit about, but also the geographic nature of it and the ability for us to bring resources against the areas we're competing has definitely been a distinct advantage. But I think a lot of that focus and, and really keeping things simple and clear, that's a product of a lot of years of learning in the military. Well, I, I, I'm glad you said that because I want other people to realize who they should be hiring. One last thing. So I go, I, yeah, you get to be a hero in your house. I bring home a holiday design Milano. Everybody knows my, I mentioned this this morning. And I say, oh, look at that. Holiday design Milano. I mean, you, you know, I know it's simple stuff, but it's working, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I, and I got to tell you, Jim, you hit on a spot that you know, brings a tear to my eye because the last couple of years with the supply pressure that we've experienced, it's been tough to bring that full range of Pepperidge Farm holiday cookies that everybody loves. This year, we are back full speed ahead, uh, and we're all excited to see those. And you're right. Those are um, between the packaging and the unique flavors for the holiday. They may seem like small things, but for a lot of families, especially in a year like this one, they mean a lot. And we're thrilled uh, to be out there with them, and I'm glad you're celebrating with them already. Although, I have to tell you, the kids went to Wakanda forever. I mean, uh, so you got these great deals going with people. You understand the big, you understand the zeitgeist. 
Uh, well, is it good? You got young kids. Who's doing the zeitgeist in your family? Yeah, you know, it's it's I think one of the things we've really learned with our snacks business is that so many of our brands are in the household already. But building relevance across different age groups requires some different tactics and different approaches. And our goldfish uh, business is probably one of the best examples where you're going from uh, Frank's Red Hot or Dunkin' Pumpkin Spice that's all family, aging up a little bit, to Wakanda Forever, Black Panther pa- partnership on our uh, on our goldfish for the kids in the household as well. It ends up being a, a really powerful um, opportunity to build a more all-family brand. And that's really what we're trying to do right, well, uh, my, with goldfish. My advice to you next time is you send this up to my home, because half the stuff you just mentioned was already eaten by my staff before we even got to the segment. <laughs> I want to thank Mark Klaus, President and CEO of Campbell's Soup, CPB. What this man has done with this company is extraordinary. Great to see you, Mark. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Jim, and beat Navy. Oh, my God. Hey, hey, beat Giants. Man, buddy's back after the break. Coming up, Kramer takes her calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast-fire lightning round next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Dak, tell me the lightning round comes over with Stewart in Virginia. Stewart. Hey, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. What do you think about my Paramount? Pleasure. It looks to me, you know, trailing PE 3.8, revenue growth 9.3%. Right, it seems too cheap to believe, too cheap to believe. But I listen to my colleague David Faber every morning, and all I can say is, I don't know where it bottoms, but it sure isn't close to the top. Now, there's a real profound statement. Let's go to Edward in Texas. Edward. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Edward. Thank you for doing all you do. And I love the oh, new thank set. you. Thank you. Can oh, you yeah. The set's great. On Hasbro. We got a whole bunch of sets. We got a set over here. I'll show it to you later, maybe, you know kind of a funny place and then we got some stuff over here i want to get everything lit i just need to get some lights i'll do some lights this weekend maybe i got some time what's happening i'd like to know about hasbro what do you think about them now just get this one light switch uh hasbro no no i don't like the earnings and i think the mattel's actually cheaper it's come down a great deal uh but i appreciate the comments let's go to uh, Irvin in louisiana Irvin. booyah booyah Hey, what's going on? Finally, nothing much, man. I was calling you. I'll be watching your show. Send a shout out to my boy Marvin. He the one told me about you. Um, I've been watching. I, you I, I, Marvin's my, Mar- Marvin. I love you. What's going on? Hey, I was calling to ask you about a stock. Oh, uh, AGNC. No, 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 no. That's one of those like a real estate investment trust that I do not like. You really got to steer. I, I, all, it, I, all my career, I've said steer clear that. All my career, I've been right. I like being right. It's better than being wrong. Let me just fix this bulb for a second. You, I can't reach it. That's the problem. All right, let's keep going here. Let's go to uh, to Mark in Wisconsin. Mark. Stepladder. Mark. Mark. Where's Mark in Wisconsin? He's getting the stepladder? He's getting the stepladder? Let's go to Brandon in Massachusetts. Brandon. Hong Kong, Jim. Shout out from Matthew, Massachusetts. And I have a stock in my Roth IRA that I'm wondering whether I should double down on and leave alone for a long time. 
This company's earned $4 billion a quarter for years, pays a 5% dividend, has bought back a third of their stock in the last five years, and is selling all their weird foreign businesses. It has a PE of six and trades at half of the tangible book value, and with rising rates, you'd think that that would help the company's bottom line. Jim, I think Citigroup ended up on the island of Misfit Toys, and we need to send a ship, or better yet, a speedboat, to go pick that up and bring it back to Santa's Village. What do you think? I, 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 I don't know what to say. I mean, the book value is so different from what, where the common stock is, the price. Something is very wrong there. We need to have a sit-down with the CEO, Jane Fraser, and get to the bottom of this. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the... Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, first, do no harm. How the Hippocratic Oath could also apply to money managers and crypto. Next. I had a painful twinge this afternoon when I was asked to judge a trade that a viewer suggested while I was on the half of Scott Wapner. Randall wanted to know what I thought of buying Wells Fargo January 50 call options, which seemed intriguing. We own Wells Fargo for the Child Trust, and you can follow along on that one. We talked about it at our 1020 meeting. Just joined the CNBC Investing Club. I didn't mince words. I like Wells Fargo as an investment, but as a trade, those January 50 calls would be a surefire loser. It doesn't matter that Wells is currently at 42 bucks. It used to be in the mid-60s five years ago when things were much worse for the bank. The stock would have to rally nearly 10 bucks over the next month. And, and, and oh, come on. I mean, otherwise, we're going to lose everything. 10 bucks, 10 and a half, maybe about the month and a half. So I gave Randall an incomplete grade. I told him to sell the calls. They're still worth something and buy the common stock. That takes the gun away from your head and gives you a 2.8% yield to boot. Sure, you don't have that kind of leverage you get from options, but you also won't get wiped out if the stock doesn't rally enough. Again, I think Wells Fargo is very much worth owning with the stock at eight times next year's earnings. Sharp CEO like Charlie Sharp at the helm. That's why it's such a large position my Chapel Trust. You, of course, again, follow along, join the club. But for those calls to work, the stock would have to rally like crazy in a very short period of time. And I don't see any catalyst coming that could make that possible. I bring this up, though, because it's an example of how the financial industry has made it way too easy for you to lose money. Does Wells Fargo out of the money calls? I used to call them candy, enticing, definitely not good for you. Will uh, we'll lead to losses as surely as candy leads to weight gain and tooth decay. After January option expiration, when those calls most likely end up, wind up worthless, they will be called rip-ups, which is a name they give to losing tickets at the racetrack. Of course, you can't deny the people the opportunity to lose money, but if you offer it, there's a good chance that they'll take it. There's no black label warning like you see on packs of cigarettes. Just the normal boilerplate about how you can lose everything, blah, 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 blah. Nobody reads it. And it just makes it so that ill-advised speculation keeps happening. Which brings me to the ultimate in candy, crypto. For a substantial period, we knew places like Robinhood made a fortune merchandising crypto, including stuff like Dogecoin that was created. It's kind of a satire of cryptocurrency. One of the quarters was 25% of the business was, was, was Dogecoin. But we didn't expect any better from Robinhood, right? I mean, they'll come on. They were the ultimate game of fire finance. I mean, in the past, we've lamented the amount of money they made from options trading as well. But then again, it's Robinhood. I mean, what did you expect? Robinhood. I mean, you know, but give me a break. I do expect better from the traditional brokers, though which is why it's so disappointing that it's so easy to open a Fidelity crypto account. It's a total candy store inside a fantastic bank. 
with the reassuring tagline, quote, crypto investing, the fidelity way, end quote. Sign up, take seconds. Listen to this one. Trade Bitcoin and Ethereum commission free with as little as a dollar. Enjoy tips and education to trade crypto with clarity, end quote. <laughs> what a joke. Where's the clarity on investing in something that may be just worthless? Something just endured a $34 billion scandal? Where, what are the tips? That, you said, that's what we need. Tips to trade crypto. And they even, oh, oh, here's a good one. Did you know they let you put it in your 401k? Yes! Call me old-fashioned, but I prefer the Vanguard way. As the Vanguard Chief Investment Officer Greg Davis put it in a How to Invest note, quote, above all else, Vanguard seeks to protect our clients' assets. So when it comes to cryptocurrency, we take the same approach and steer our clients toward time-tested products, end quote. Davis goes on, quote, the challenge we have with cryptocurrency is that it doesn't really have an intrinsic value, end quote, which is why he says, quote, we don't think that's a great way to construct a long-term portfolio for clients, end quote. Good for him. I bet Fidelity made a ton of money on crypto, probably still is. Vanguard chose to make nothing on it. I'd rather go with the firm that protects its clients for free than the one that offers tips for real money, money that might not exist anymore. Because crypto turned out to be a pump-and-dump con, masquerading as an asset class. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I'm trying to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.